Welcome to We Grow California with your hosts, Darcy Villery and Darcy Burke, a safe space to discuss water, agriculture, and what makes California grow. We have guests from those who just drink water to those that make water policy, all passionate about the water issues that face all Californians today. Join the conversation by liking, subscribing, sending in your questions, and submitting your request to be our guest. Let's get this conversation started. Was Sigma necessary? Is Sigma necessary? And I tend to think we both say yes, right? Okay, Correct. and you're nodding your head. We, we both think it is, I guess. So how do we, is this more of a conversation or a, who's taking the positive, who's taking the negative? I think because, this is more of a conversation. And I think, yeah, and I think it, we talk about like normally or typically we're on opposite sides of an issue. Yeah, yeah. Or we can take opposite sides. Yeah. I think on this one, it's like, I can take some negative points. I think there's issues there. I mean, there's a lot of issues what, there. It's really trying hard. I think personally to to leave it in the hands of locals, which is what I think a lot of farmers would prefer. I mean, I think if you went, what farmers really prefer is if no one had passed this law at all, because it complicates our lives with even more regulation. So let's actually get but, into that because I know the history of how it became local. I don't know if you do. Okay. No, I don't. I I kind of assumed it, at the end of the day it was to make it more palatable for everybody. Because isn't there something like there's fifteen thousand water agencies in the state, isn't it? Am I thinking of the right number? Or that's the number of members of Aqua, the Association of California Water Agencies? There's thousands. There's but were you going to have one plan for thousands of agencies? It's interesting. I think a lot of people in the state don't really understand or know what it's supposed to do, as everybody still complains about almonds all the time. And it's like, well, stuff's going to go out of production because of this law, you know, probably a fair amount of land, you know? Well, I think what we, for those that are listening in, Darcy, that don't know what Sigma is, Right. Yeah. So so let's kind of fill them in. So in 2014, the legislature in their infinite wisdom passed a package of bills known as the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. And in that act, the efforts of local entities, whether you were um, a city or a farm area, didn't matter where, if you were on a groundwater basin, there were certain elements you had to do. So first Mm -hmm. thing you had to do was everybody had to register their groundwater wells. So if you had an active well pumping, you had to register it. They outlined the boundaries of the basins because not all basins, as you know, were managed, right? So Well, also a lot of the basins, it's up to eventually the local GSAs to determine their boundaries relative to everybody else. Right. right? Well, the exchange contract is, for instance, one big basin. Correct. I'm making air quotes that people can't see. They can't see. So (laughs) a sustainable groundwater management plan, sustainable groundwater agencies, there's all these acronyms for SIGMA. Mm -hmm. I think what we'll do also on our podcast page is we have a pretty good background piece. We will post that so people can go kind of get the details of the act itself and what was required and by when. The... The issue really came to be that it was very evident that groundwater basins were being overdrafted or overpumped. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what overpumped meant was a, a lot of different things to a lot of different people. The Association of California Water Agencies, also known as Aqua, because you know in water, if you don't have an acronym, you're not real. If you're in government with no acronym, you're not really doing anything. There, you? there you go. No. Yeah, you know. Fought very hard to make sure that this wasn't a state down mandate, that there was local control. And that's why you have the ability to form a sustainable uh, uh, or a GSA, a groundwater sustainability management 
group plan and then an plan agency and an yeah, agency a GSA. GSA so and how you put that together who sits on it all of that is is local control unless you don't meet the elements of what the state mandates at that mm-hmm. point the state can come in and actually run your groundwater basin they can assess the fees they can install meters they can do a variety of punitive actions to take over and manage the basin and the timeline to to get all of our groundwater basins to a quote unquote healthy level air quotes mm-hmm. as darcy would say is 20 years and that that yeah in general unless you're massively yeah. overdrafted then it's right yesterday but yeah yesterday correct the the act the three bills itself actually provided some funding it provided about a hundred million dollars to write your groundwater management plans so mm-hmm. any type of plan that has a number of required mandates usually requires some extensive engineering and in engineering is expensive. So well, even just planning for the engineering. I mean, that gets really expensive because you're trying to pre-plan any potential negative consequence of what your engineering might do, right? You're trying to, it's, it's a long-term process. It's tough. And very expensive. So the very state expensive. made some funding available. I think from an urban perspective, urban agencies that have groundwater basins did very well in that accessing that financial um, assistance because well, yeah, we're really good at it, right? Staff. Well, they <laughs> got a lot of staff usually. You know, my Fireball Canal's got, you know, I would say two office staff, and that's usually the, the task of office staff, you know, right. to, to deal with that kind of thing. And, yeah. and Elsinore Valley Municipal Water District has 172 staff. So a, a little bit of yeah. an inequity there, right? Serving <laughs> how many acre feet of water, and but how many acre feet of water, not necessarily a big number, but a lot of people. A lot of people, right? Actually, yeah. we'd like to get our acre feet down, right? Because we want to improve our overall urban efficiency. But I think we both agree for a change that it was absolutely <laughs> necessary. However, yeah. Yeah. implementation there isn't always perfect. It, yeah, it's not close to perfect. When you're looking for government to solve your problem, that's your first problem right there, right? So I, I think what I one of the big issues I see with the plan is that it is not part of the greater water portfolio of any entity. Meaning that if you have water use efficiency plans in place already, mm-hmm. you're gonna recharge less because you're not you're not putting yeah. as much on. It doesn't take into effect the influence of surface water on groundwater at all, right? It just strictly looks at with blinders on. And in water management, you have to look at a comprehensive impact of what what is impacting your water supply? What's driving your demand? It's not a one and done. You know, mm-hmm. they, the US EPA passed the in, interim enhanced surface water treatment rule before they passed the enhanced surface water treatment rule, which actually talks about surface water that is under the influence of other things or groundwater that is, is under the influence of surface water when we look at water quality, mm-hmm. right? So it's much more holistic than this. And that's my big issue with it. It, You have to take into account the impact on people, on economies, on community, on family business, on not just the basin. So that's my biggest issue. I get that, but at the end, well, that's the hard part too, right? Is the fact that, okay, guess what? If you're overdrafting, you're overdrafting. It's going to hurt the economy. It's like, yeah, but I mean, areas where people are, have no water, that hurts the economy too, because it's being 
it's not sustainable, whatever the number is. I, I think if I'm picking issues with it, which I hope kind of evolves over time, it's the concept of what, what is a basin or where the basin is. They're like, oh, this is a basin. But obviously it's got inflow up there. It's got outflow down there. And m- even my own understanding of it is I kind of thought basins were more determined by the termination point of where the water tends to pool. I, I originally years ago thought that had to do with that. I guess I still didn't totally understand even just how basins are, we talk about it because we're still trying to understand the flow of water between all the different localities. I mean, my basin in the exchange contractors dead end at the canal bank that's just outside my office, basically. And then that's a whole other basin in Westlands. It's like, yeah, but I know there's upslope drainage from them down to us. And so how do those basins interact? I'm going to go back to my experience a little bit in Orange County. Orange County Water District um, is probably one of the best groundwater management agencies in the industry. They are the ones that started the groundwater replenishment system where they take sewer water and highly treat it to above drinking water standards and recharge the groundwater basin. I'm using that as an example, Darcy, because they know where their basin boundaries are. Like South Orange County has no access mm-hmm. to that water. There is the, the small basin that serves South Orange County, um, which would be the area where we interviewed Rick Shintaku for the Doheny oh, Ocean yeah, yeah. Cell project. That has high salinity, has nothing to do with Orange, wa- Orange County's groundwater basin. They're very separate, uh, both geography, water quality, and geology-wise. However, there was always a conversation in Orange County about how the the southeast part of Los Angeles Basin either took some of their water when their basin was high or influenced with poor water quality into their basin. So Mm -hmm. I think we all understand when we're in water that water moves. That doesn't yeah. mean legislatures understood that when they passed the bill, right? Again, looking for the government to solve your problem. Well, and, and that goes back to the whole fact that it's positive that it, it is more local because at the end of the day, it's still, it, it, it allows for, I, I think you're going to have better with lo- local local uh, control working together to figure it out. The issue where it's going to come up as a real problem is when, like you said, one group says, no, that's my water. I need more of it. No, that was my water. I didn't need it. And then eventually it just keeps moving up the chain until it's, it's the state that goes, guys, this is how, the, okay, I'm settling it for you like an angry parent. It's like, no, just split the toy in half. Right. Fine. There you go. Now we're done. And we're done, aren't we? Which is never a, a good thing. No, it, you'd rather, rat, much rather have it done. Locally. And I think locally. it needs to stay yeah. local. And I don't think the state should have the option of coming in and taking over. We know how well the state runs the State Water Resources Quality Control Board, which in my opinion is horrible. So having mm-hmm. those people whose first primary concern is for the environment, not for public health, I just but feel what if it's mean, issue. No, I, I get I get the philosophical issue, but it still comes down to okay, what if locally people say I'm just not going to do anything, or or they they don't do it. It's like okay, well, it still needs to be dealt with, and there's still people being hurt. So I mean, I I think everybody I, I like to think even the groups that are not huge fans of this appreciate that they have to they have to move on it. Otherwise, it's gonna the state will step in, and it's better if you're handling it you know yourself with your neighbors than it is having it go up that high or have them come in and you know and deal with it. And and I would like to think. Tell me if I'm right. Like in in this law, so I I had to sit in a uh, like the water district I'm in is is needing state help to come in and replace itself, and so we're going to get assigned an administrator because we had I think I told you before in a private conversation mm-hmm. before about 
um, the local water company its issues. And so the state's coming in with an administrator. Yep. But in the meeting I was in yesterday, they also said, we're going to do, we do this and we do this for groups, but also we hand it right back to you because they don't long-term necessarily want that position. Like, I think it was, who was it? Was a DWR? I'm trying to remember who else was on the call, but it's like, they don't want to. And so they'll come do this. But if the group show, I would imagine with this law, if the group wants to come see, we can meet all those metrics. They'd be like, great, go do it. Cause it's, they really don't want to do it. I don't think the state wants to be in the water quality business. I think the state wants yeah. to be in the water supply business. Yeah, which it was is a much very different. In, and so you probably respect, were right? dealing with a division of drinking water, yeah, um, yeah, and and that's where public health lies. But the mission of the state water resources control board, if you hear past members speak, if you hear current members speak, they always say to protect the environment and people. And it used to be yeah. at public health to protect people and the environment. So when you talk about communities that are running out of water because their groundwater basins are overdrafted, that's not okay. The issue is you can't just fix this in a vacuum. When you have more access to surface water, when there is more surface water that can be recharged into groundwater, when you can move water, store water when you need it, that is all part of the answer. Just not yeah. pumping is not part of the answer. I mean, not the only answer, I should say. Yeah, it's it is not the part, only of it. part obviously. You have yeah. to have water. So where are we getting the new supply to replenish our groundwater basins and keep them healthy, to keep our economies and families healthy, and to address other water quality issues? Because when you have an overdrafted basin, you typically have other water quality issues, either higher salinity, higher nitrates. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. it's, it's just the nature of the beast. There has to be something better than just one and done. I'd like to see the plans that are required by agencies, groundwater basins, to be integrated. Urban users have to use an integrated water resources management plan. We call it an IRP for short. We have to do this every so many years to figure out what's our portfolio going to look like. So we take our groundwater management plans. We take our water use efficiency plans. We take our agency master plan and projected growth and say, how are we going mm -hmm. to meet it? through an integrated, collaborative approach. That's the part that's missing, in my opinion, from the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. Is it, not, is it not actually happening on the GSA level? I could have sworn I, well, maybe it was just for the agriculture side, because I know I've, I've sat in on the GSA meetings for, uh, or sat in on the GSA, talk about the GST, the, the plan for uh, the exchange contractors. And I do believe that growth, it's being projected. I mean, a lot of us don't agree with what they're saying, but it's being <laughs> At least on the ag side, it's being projected. Well, and I think you, know. you have to put the exchange contractors in a different pool. Um, and yeah. I'll say that from an outsider. You have a phenomenal leader in Chris White who knows his basins, who knows the area, who knows water. Not every groundwater sustainability agency has that expertise and yeah. understanding Right. So I take urban out of this conversation because we're going to do it the right way because we know how to do it. We just like the state to stay out of our way. I'm going to take yeah. the exchange contractors out of that conversation because they know how to do it the right way. And yet I would that's the thing though. remember. The, so I don't know if you sat in or heard these calls, but it's also the exchange contractors are doing the GST for uh, for ourselves, but also inside of our, our GS, GSA or inside of our GST plan is also, you know, Firebaugh, Mendota. Um, Del Palos. We're, we're doing those plans for everybody because they're impacted communities who don't really necessarily have the 
the bandwidth or the understanding of the groundwater levels the way the exchange contractors do. And I know, uh, I believe Jared Martin at CCID, CCID has been heading up a lot of this because they have the most they have the most area that they got to worry about. Is maybe the best way to say it. So I think we're we're doing you know they're doing great work from what I've seen. But and yet they still have other people. Like you said, the state comes in and says, no, this is probably what your growth will be in terms of things like your permanent crops. And all of us kind of shake our heads and go, yeah, I don't think it's going to be. Yeah, I, they have to do certain assumptions and they right. just kind of like, oh, this, this percent or this percent. And I just shake my head and go, yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked if that actually happened because there's too much risk now. Well, in, in the and market, much, the market you know. determines, in, in, right? The market determines well, the what market, you're going to do. But also just the water. If we're going to have critical years like this, it's like, I, I'm not planting any more permanent crops. It's, it's just too risky. You're putting something in there you might not be able to supply water to. But, the peop- but if you've already got it in the ground, it's like, what are you doing? It's, you're going to be, it, it's a real risk. And so, you know, we're trying to balance that for everybody. I know they're trying to figure out the best, the, the district is trying to figure out the best way to make sure we don't go backwards on anything. So to dovetail, since this, you know, also especially for us as a exchange contractor podcast, basically, it's like to, to talk about that, that the district is, the districts are, and the exchange contractors are working hard on that problem you you know, started, for everybody in the area. You started this by saying community-based, local control, yep. collaborative, right? Meaning that yeah. everybody's at the table and that's what you guys are doing not just in words, but in actions by helping Firebaugh, Das Palace, and those other outlying areas that don't have the expertise and certainly do not have the financial resources to yeah. write a groundwater sustainability plan. You know, well, when you have like some town, I think, I don't know how many wells Firebaugh runs off of, but it's like, you want me to do this for how large, for how long, off of how many wells? And guess what? Much like any of these things, the same, oftentimes to do, you know, it could be very much like the same amount of money, you know, one well versus 15 wells. I know you got to go measure more, but you still got to put the same amount of time and planning and, and research into the whole thing, you know, like whether it's a little area or a big area. Yep. Same, you know, it could be the same yeah, amount it of does, it, it, and that, time. Exactly. And running through the regulation and everything. And and honestly, lawyer expertise. The lawyers you got to hire to help work through it. Lawyers get rich on everything. <laughs> I, you know, they do. And yet I always say the thing about uh, lawyers is the one thing they stop is everybody from oftentimes from going to war is what I think about it. It's like, no, no, we're going to the courts. Everybody, let's just go to the courts and have a conversation. Let's all just chat. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's see who adheres to the law or not. Yeah. <laughs> I love your optimism, I, I'm Darcy. Of, I'm, I, you know, I'm the, I'm the grandson of a lawyer, the son of a lawyer, and my wife's a lawyer. So all I think about is how this all plays. <laughs> how it all goes into the law or how it would be used through through the law. Well, you there, know? there's so, the court. I'm optimistic on that, yeah. And then there's the court of public opinion. Yeah, which is obviously we don't, as farmers, do great in all the time, which is why we have a podcast to talk about these things. That's correct. That's correct. To work on that, yeah. 100%. So I, I think we beat this horse to death, Darcy. Yeah. No, I'm sure there's still a little life left in it. We're going to have to beat it a few more times in the future, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so with that i think we'll sign off for our conversation on the sustainable groundwater management act and yeah. tune in next time because who knows what we're going to discuss and which side we're going to be on thank you for listening to another we grow california episode and being a part of our community be sure to like subscribe submit your questions and guest requests at ecwaterpack.com forward slash podcast that's ecwaterpac.com forward slash podcast today